are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. All right, Coulter, thank you for reading. So who is an author, musician, or actor that you have followed? We could have put some other categories up there. But it was interesting, as I worked on the very first few lines of this message, I happened to be in a coffee shop, and the song coming over the loudspeakers was Take It Easy by the Eagles. And I thought to myself, I remember my Eagles phase. That was part of my classic rock phase. Probably started listening to the KQ Morning Show in high school. And, and I remember in college being on the road with uh, the Eagles as me and some buddies were driving cross-country through Mexico with surfboards on the top roof rack. And that song came over the radio in the coffee shop, and I was instantly 20 years old again. And I knew every word. We've all got answers to that question, and they would vary greatly across this room. I mean, I've said eagles, and some of our younger folks here are like, who are the eagles? So across the live stream in this gym, we'd all have different answers, and yet the thing we'd relate to is that phases come and go. You know, you can be into something for a while, whether it's a show or a band, and then it runs its course, and you're on to the next thing. The word follow is such a rich word. The most literal meaning, of course, is to go after, to come after, to walk after something. But then listen to the other nuances given in the dictionary. To watch steadily, to keep the mind on, to attend closely, to imitate. As a kid, many of us probably used to play that classic game, follow the leader. And of course, you love to be the leader and always take your friends on the most challenging, bizarre route through the playground. But these are just phases. We grow out of them. You follow your favorite things on social media, but for many of us, those favorite things change over the years. I used to treasure my collection of Eagles CDs. Now, I don't even know where they are anymore. And not just because CDs are obsolete. What do any of us have in life that really lasts? And what could you and I follow that doesn't change? Glenn Fry was the one who used to sing, Take It Easy, in that smooth tenor voice of his. But Glenn Fry died a few years ago of multiple illnesses. He was put in New York in a medically induced coma. They were trying to figure out what to do. They never even got to surgery. He lived on the one hand an extremely successful life. When he died, he was worth 120 million. He'd been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Glenn Fry, if you read his bio, he had a drinking problem. He did drugs. 
He experienced the heartbreak of divorce. And he fought so much with his bandmates that they broke up in 1980. Is there something that you can follow that is really worth it? What can you follow that won't just come and go? What can you follow that won't just be a dead end? We're into the season of Lent now. This is our second Sunday. This is the 40-day period of preparation on our way to Easter. And we're spending these weeks in the middle of Matthew, these middle chapters on a Lenten journey with Jesus. We're spending today where the journey begins with the invitation to follow. So let's look at this text here in chapter 9. It's a relatively brief passage that we could put into three parts. A person, a party, and a principle. And so we begin with the person and the introduction in verse 9. Let's read. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now the from there that Jesus came from was the city of Capernaum. was this lakeside town that was the hub of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. This is where Jesus had met and called those first fishermen to come and follow him. Those two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And now he's on to a new recruit. And this one is coming from a very different background. Matthew also goes by the names Levi and Levi son of Alphaeus. Most Jewish men had two or three names but it's interesting because the name Matthew was not common at all. And some scholars think that Jesus possibly gave the name Matthew to Levi like he had done with Peter. You might remember that passage. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. What does Jesus say to him in that moment? I tell you that you are Peter. Name change. And on this rock I will build my church. The name Matthew means gift of Yahweh, the name for God. Gift of God. And however he came by it, his name reminded him that his faith and his calling were gifts of God. And it is in this story that his faith comes alive. And he hears the calling of God on his life. Matthew was a tax collector. And as Jesus finds him that day, he is sitting in his tax collector's booth. I remember being on a kid as a kid from Minnesota where we don't have these, being on road trips where you would then come into these toll booths right on the interstate and you'd stop and you'd throw your coins in. That's what you can think of here as Jesus finds Matthew outside of town in his tax collector's booth. It's probably along the road that's called Via Maris. So it doesn't say that, but based on the description, the Via Maris was the road called the Way of the Sea. And it was an ancient trade route that connected Egypt and Mesopotamia. It crossed over the Mediterranean coast and ran right by the Sea of Galilee through the city of Capernaum. And the importance of this road can hardly be overstated. This road and a couple other intersections meant that you could get from Africa to Europe. You could get from Asia to Africa. And so I want you to be thinking of some of our major interstates. You could think of I-90 stretches across the country, or, or I-35 runs all the way down to Texas. That was the Via Maris where Matthew collected taxes. Now the nature of those taxes could really have been any number of maybe three different categories. 
First, he could have collected taxes on commercial traffic. So you can think of our toll roads. That, that would be exactly what this is. Secondly, it may have been taxes on goods. Capernaum was at the intersection of what we would call three different states. And so think of something like customs duties. That could have been what was taxed. But thirdly, the other thing that he could have been taxing were the fish that were caught in the Sea of Galilee. And this is exactly what's depicted in the TV show, The Chosen. A number of our Y groups have watched some of those episodes together. You may also remember how they portray Matthew calculating the taxation of fish and how far behind Peter is on his payments. In any case, Matthew was there. He's collecting taxes on behalf of Herod Antipas, who was the Roman tetrarch of Galilee, of this area. And this is the guy that Jesus very memorably refers to as that fox. You go tell that fox, says Jesus in Luke's gospel. And so he's collecting taxes for Herod Antipas, But Matthew was not just collecting taxes for Rome. That was the minimum expected. But a tax collector really made their money by getting anything above and beyond that they could manage. Anything beyond the tax rate was theirs. They called it commission. You and I would probably call it extortion. And to make matters worse, tax collectors were men who had turned on their own people. So not only are they crooked, But they're also traitors. Matthew was Jewish. He was from Israel. These were his people he was robbing. He was working for the occupying force, the Roman Empire, and getting rich off the backs of his countrymen. So tax collectors were deeply despised and hated. And we need to keep this in mind now as we go along in the story, and we have a Jewish rabbi Someone of high esteem culturally. A Jewish rabbi who goes up to Matthew's tax booth and says, Matthew, follow me. And it says Matthew got up and followed him. Michael Wilkins calls Matthew a notorious convert. R.T. France says that for Jesus to call such a man was a daring breach of etiquette. You don't just do this. But Jesus did. And his call is very simple and very clear. He just says, follow me. And you know, having just studied the book of Ezekiel together, we remember that there are places in Scripture that are quite hard to understand. There are places that require in-depth study, and that's good. It's good to dig in. And have hard things to understand as well. But some things in the Bible are easy. And this is one of them. It's as simple as straightforward as it gets. Jesus just says, follow me. Any one of our kids up on the gym floor would understand that. No big Bible words. No pronunciation guide needed for our scripture reader. Just follow me. And Matthew does. He got up and followed him. It reports without fanfare. Immediately, he leaves behind his tax collector's booth. Just like the fishermen left behind their nets to follow Jesus. And as he does this, there is for Matthew, I think, 
an even more immediate cost to that decision. A cost of discipleship. And that is this. The fishermen, once a fisherman, always a fisherman. I mean, they had a backup plan. If this didn't work out following Jesus, they could return to the lake and get back to work. But what does it look like when Matthew, a government employee, leaves behind his tax collector's booth? It'd be far less likely to be waiting for him on the other side. But he did it anyway. Now it's possible, as we imagine this encounter reported just in a few brief verses, that this was a first encounter. And that there was this moment that was, Jesus' voice was so powerful, so compelling, that perhaps supernaturally, Matthew just gets up and decides to follow him cold turkey. It's possible. We don't know all the background. But it's more likely that this moment was the culmination of previous interactions. Remember, Jesus was based out of Capernaum. He had been teaching all over the area. And not just teaching, but healing people and casting out demons and preaching the Sermon on the Mount, etc. And I wonder, and this is depicted in The Chosen, How many times had Matthew been there out of curiosity? How many times had Jesus actually walked by his tax booth and said hello? Same would have gone for the fishermen, by the way. And the point I'm trying to make is this, that Jesus' invitation came out of the context of relationship. And for you and I, we should notice that there is a difference between knowing about Jesus even perhaps saying hi every once in a while and following him as a disciple. And so I'm asking you this morning, which one are you? Have you heard his call yet? Have you heard him say your name? Because he has and he is. And if you're waiting for some epiphany, some undeniable moment where the heavens part and this voice thunders from on high, I don't know if that really matches the biblical precedent. Think about it. Where does Jesus find Matthew? He finds him at work. He just walks right into his work day. It's not thunder from on high. It's not some complicated formula. It's not big Bible words. He finds him at work and he says, Matthew, follow me. And in that moment, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to stay stuck in my little toll booth, in my own little world where I've been living for myself and calling the shots and counting my money however much or little? Or am I finally going to leave that little toll booth behind and head out on the greatest adventure I could ever be on, free from my stuff, free from my past, and following Jesus who loves me? That's the decision. That's the person of Matthew in this story, and I hope that you recognize him. Not because you have watched the chosen, but because you are chosen and you have answered the call of God. Secondly, in the passage then, we come to the party. Our passage skips over some detail, but what becomes evident in verse 10 
is that Matthew was over the moon to finally know Jesus. Not just from a distance, but to know him personally and truly. And he's so over the moon that he throws a party. A dinner party. And he does it at his house and he invites his friends. Let's read verse 10 again. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, first off, Matthew's house, I think, was quite the place. I mean, this was a ritzy neighborhood. You might remember the story of another tax collector in the Bible, Zacchaeus, and the kind of party that he threw, the kind of wealth that he had. So you have to imagine a fancy house that can fit a lot of people. And then note who's on the guest list. Tax collectors and sinners. That is Bible language, New Testament language, for the wrong crowd. That's what that means. We already covered why tax collectors were among the most despised. But then you add this catch-all, tax collectors and sinners. And that is this term for anyone who is willfully living a sinful life and by their conduct is considered unclean. They are not holy. They are not getting anywhere near the temple. These are people who disregarded the law. They're people who are alcoholics, who are prostitutes, who are lowlifes. This whole category, this segment of society that they would have called undesirables. These are not the kind of friends that your parents would have been impressed with. But they're Matthew's friends and associates. Matthew's very first day of discipleship, before his head even hits the pillow, I think we find him doing something that should inspire all of us. He invites his friends to meet Jesus. Follow me. It's that simple. And then pass the invite along. One of the things that can happen for us who are following Christ is that over time, and as we make friends here, our friends and associates can start to look a whole lot like us. The church can become a social bubble where we're not of the world, but we're not even really in the world anymore. And so I'm asking us this morning, what friends and associates has the Lord put in your life who need to hear his invitation? I heard some years ago in relationship to this passage about a church and a group of people who would throw what they call Matthew parties. Not that that's what it said on the invite that people got, but the idea was that you'd have people over for dinner Create relationship, and in the context of relationship, invite people to get to know Jesus. Neighbors, friends, co-workers, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I like that idea, and I want to ask us, who is it that you know who is out there dying because they're stuck in that toll booth, the years of their life are slipping by, and they haven't met Jesus yet. I wonder, in reading this story, how many people at Matthew's party started to follow Jesus because of that night? 
How many stories are there that, that are not recorded in the Bible, but whole family systems and generations that were changed because of a tax collector's party? God has given each one of us in this room, without exception, a platform, a social network in the true sense of the word. People that, that I don't know, that I would never run with, but they're running with you. So what could you do this week to reach out and touch the life of one sinner, one tax collector, one person who needs to hear about Jesus? Well, you know how it is with a big party, at least in our neighborhood. You always know when a big party is going on, you can hear the bass, the, the music thumping like a mile away. And so word gets out that Matthew has this huge party going on, and there's another group of people who show up that are absolutely appalled at this mess, and we meet them in verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, it says, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees, we run into them all the time in the Gospels. They're the religious leaders of the day. But the question they're asking is not one of honest inquiry or curiosity. It is a statement of disdain. Because sharing table fellowship, having a meal in first century Judaism said a lot about who you were. And if you ate with the wrong crowd, you know, I go to Pizza Ranch and you go to Pizza Ranch, you don't really care who else is in the restaurant. That was not the world they lived in. Because if you ate with the wrong crowd, that meant heaps of social disgrace upon you. You didn't eat with non-Jews. You certainly didn't eat with tax collectors and sinners. Because sharing a meal together was a sign of identification. And so here you've got a Jewish rabbi identifying with Matthew and his friends, and it is like he's saying, these are my people. It's hard to translate the cultural weight of what's going on here, but here's a key lesson that we learned from this party. Discipleship, following Jesus, is not for comfortable, respectable, upstanding citizens. It's for everybody. Anyone can respond to the invitation of Jesus. Anyone can step foot into a new life with Christ. That's the party, and it leads us finally into the principle that is captured in the final two verses, verses 12 and 13. And because the passage is so short, we read it again. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means, a rabbinic formula. Go and learn. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, he says, quoting Hosea 6.6. 6. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What we do need to remember in this passage is that it's not like Matthew wasn't a sinner. That's not what Jesus is saying. He was. But he was a sinner who had heard and responded to the merciful call of Jesus. E.P. Sanders, a commentator, reminds us that one of the most distinctive features of Jesus' message and ministry is the promise of salvation to sinners. 
Sin, this Bible word for the junk in our life, is not cured by religion. It is cured by a relationship with Jesus, the one who came and gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. I was reminded of this in my study this week, that the greatest miracle in the Gospels is the one that is often least noticed. It's the miracle of forgiveness. You cannot get closer to God or get rid of your guilty conscience by religiosity. You get there by saying, I'm a sinner. I need a doctor. And his name is Jesus. There is such good news in the gospel that Jesus has come to us. He is the great physician. And he is a physician that you don't have to wait for. You ever gotten a little frustrated waiting in the doctor's office? But Jesus comes to us without delay and he says, follow me. Just follow me. You're with me now. Well, as we close, I just find such richness in this story. And I hope you pick it up again this week that you read about Matthew again. It begins with following, and then the following leads right into the mission that God has created us for. I've been reading some of the reports coming out of the church in Ukraine and This week I read about Irpin Bible Church. Irpin is a suburb outside of Kiev. I was reading about Pastor Mikola Ramanuk. And in the story he was noting how ironic it was. I mean, how many times does this happen? You know, your phone gives you the reminder. His Google notification calendar went off. Just reminding him that this was the week that they were going to host a 400-person pastoral conference. But with what's happened in Irpin, that is certainly not possible. But here's what Pastor Romanuk said. He said, God has given us a new ministry. Our conference is now with the homeless, the handicapped, and the non-believers who live in our town. Follow me to watch steadily to keep the mind on, to attend closely, to imitate. It's a Matthew kind of faith. He had so many things. He had everything on his wish list. But by God's grace, he learned to pick the one thing that matters. And he said yes to following Jesus. I pray for you and for me that we would have the courage to do the same. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Oh Lord, we just pause in this moment. And Lord, it is such a joy to hear the voices of children in this space. And here is little Liam teaching us about what it means to just come to you, to crawl up into your arms, and to respond to your invitation. 
And I pray, Lord, that some of us would learn today to get over ourselves, to get out of our tax booth, to leave behind the life that we have had that has been a mess, and to follow you. I pray, Lord, for every person in this room. Some are already on their way with you, Lord, some many years. And I pray that the adventure of following you would only be greater in the years that we have left. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.